0: Was Saturday's victory over Alabama a sign of things to come for the Texas A&M offense, or was this just a big fluke? Plus, my official pick for Missouri against the Aggies at the end of the first segment. All of this and more right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hail, you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball each and every weekday. Thank you so much for making me your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And by the way, if you're like a younger version of me and you're into fantasy NBA, we'll definitely check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Maybe the most popular show in that genre. So it's got to be doing something right. So check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball wherever you get your podcasts. And I got to be honest with all you listeners. I've been sitting here in my downtown office all Friday morning, trying to talk myself into picking Missouri. Yes, that's right. One of the great letdown opportunities of recent memory before the Tigers awaits on Saturday. Because obviously we all know the Aggies took down the Alabama Crimson Tide in shocking fashion down in College Station. But then on the other hand, you have Missouri that feels like all of a sudden people are just riding off for the rest of the season. Because even though their most recent game, they won, obviously, against North Texas, well, what people are really remembering still is is the Tennessee game. In fact, one of my longtime listeners, Jim of class of 71, as he likes to sign his emails, well, he lives down in Tennessee. He's still apparently hearing it from all the Vols fans down there. So, understandably, Jim and a lot of Missouri fans not feeling so hot about the Tigers right now. But here's the thing. While Missouri's defense obviously so far has been historically bad. In fact, ranked 130th in the country, dead last in some major statistical categories. Now, I'm not saying that Missouri is going to be great for the rest of the season. But even just if you take a step back for a second, what are the actual odds that Missouri is going to continually be this bad for the rest of the season? Now, Missouri has a lot of good opponents coming up, including Texas A&M, but I'm talking relatively speaking here. I also thought Missouri made some slight adjustments against the running game last week that gives me some signs for hope, at least. I would also point out to Missouri fans that this is kind of what Josh Heupel offenses do. When they have an advantage, they take advantage of it and make you look really, really, really bad. So unfortunately the ball just rolled downhill for Missouri in that Tennessee game and they got steamrolled. Absolutely. And yet I suspect if they played that football game again, Missouri would be competitive there. Perhaps Tennessee would win again, but there's no way Missouri would be down forty-five to ten at halftime if they played that football game again. So my point is is not to make excuses for the Tigers against Tennessee. My point is What's more likely to happen in the future? Well, the reality is Missouri's probably not going to be as bad as it was against Tennessee again. And by the same token, on the other side of the coin, Texas A&M isn't going to be as good as it was against Alabama again, more than likely. Now, while Zach Calzada, the Texas A&M quarterback, who will start this Saturday... He was obviously the big man on campus this week. He was the hero. He was carried off the field at College Station this past Saturday. But you know what? Again, let's not have too short of memories because the previous week, well, he was in. He was not having tears of joy. He was having tears of sadness on the sidelines, literal tears, as the the, the Aggies lost to Mississippi State. So, which team is this? Is it the team that beat Alabama? Or is it the team that barely escaped with a win over Colorado, which, by the way, the Buffs have been outscored 102-27 to in the three games subsequent to that near victory over Texas A&M? So which is it? Which squad is it? Again, probably we'll see something in between those two extremes this Saturday, but I will say... After coming off that kind of win, that kind of energy at Kyle Field, I mean, listen, Texas A&M is not historically really a blue blood football program, just in terms of their championships, their wins, all that stuff. But when it comes to their fan base, I mean, they've got about as good a fan base as anybody in college football. And when it's full, when it's 86,000, 90,000 people, however many are in that place are going wild, that's a heck of a home field advantage. So it's going to be quite the contrast to going from that night game to now an 11 a.m. game at Faroe Field. Hopefully Missouri's fans will will help out relatively with the the atmosphere there, but I just think, again, these are 19, 20-year-old kids. I think a a letdown is inevitable there. But the thing is, i got to be honest, for as much as I want to go out on a limb and pick the Tigers to pull the upset this Saturday – I just can't quite do it. And that's, again, mostly not only because of the Tiger defense, which, of course, the run defense has been really, really bad so far. It does seem like Texas A&M may have figured something out on its offensive line. They've shuffled pieces around, and it does seem like they may have finally figured something out there. Plus, considering they have two really impressive running backs in Isaiah Spiller and Devin A-Chain, and a really good tight end in the the Weidermeyer kid as well. It, it just seems like they have the pieces to be able to take advantage of what Missouri's biggest weakness is. So with that said, I'm going to say, actually, this game goes slightly under the total. I think maybe it'll be a little bit lower scoring than most prognosticators expect, but Again, I think Missouri's streak of not covering the spread is, is going to remain intact here. I hate to say it, especially I hate to say it because 86% of wagers at last count are coming in on the Aggies. Generally speaking, you want to go against the crowd on that type of deal. You know, Missouri, a home underdog, a lot of reasons to pick the Tigers, but honestly, I just can't get there yet. I, for as many reasons as I think there are to pick the Tigers, for some reason, this matchup just doesn't scream upset to me. So I got the Aggies, 35, and the Tigers, 24. But of course, I hope I'm wrong about that particular pick. But here's something I know I'm not wrong about. And that's that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever created in this universe or frankly any other. Because with all their great flavors from coconut, double chocolate, cookies and cream, German chocolate, they've got it all. Try whatever you want. By frankly, just get a mixed box. That's that's my bag where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors, and then you can really set your sights on what your exact flavor profile is. But regardless, they're all high protein Low-cal, low-sugar, low-carbs. Yeah, that's what you want to hear, everybody. So order today. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Once again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Another reason to maybe make you feel better about Missouri is how Kentucky and Boston College have played so far. Now, you might have noticed that Boston College on a bad snap late in the game cost themselves an opportunity to possibly upset Clemson. Clemson ended up winning that game nineteen to thirteen, but quite honestly I thought that was a horribly coached game by the Eagles. Dennis Crossell threw forty passes 23 for 40, 311 yards, but also two crucial interceptions. I thought it was bizarre that really the Boston College running backs, Pat Garwo, only got 12 carries for 57 yards. To me, you've just got to run the football if you're BC there. But regardless, you know, they're a pretty solid team without a doubt. And boy, you know who's really looking solid is the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, obviously, Missouri maybe was somewhat fortunate for that to only be a one-possession game, but the reality is they were in that football game. Regardless if there was maybe a fluky fumble at one point, well, the Tigers forced it, they recovered it, they did what they had to do, and guess what? Kentucky has been putting beatdowns on some major programs. They, just, they beat Florida convincingly, and they just laid the absolute smackdown on LSU this past week. Winning by 21, I believe, and also rushing for 330 yards. Seems like Ed Orgeron's time is definitely running out down in Baton Rouge. But regardless, Missouri's played Kentucky as good as anybody so far this season. So I'm really hoping that maybe the Tennessee game was much more of an aberration than anything else. I think one thing to watch on the field is, Tomorrow is going to be how Texas A&M decides to attack Missouri defensively because against Alabama, for all the talk about how good Texas A&M's defensive line is, and they definitely have a lot of talent for sure, no doubt about that, but it wasn't as though their front four is what overwhelmed the Alabama protection in that football game. If you really watched, it was actually – a bunch of exotic "quote unquote" or really overload blitz packages is what really had the Bama offensive line confused, and, and Bryce Young, the, the quarterback, was frankly shook at a certain point. He was not comfortable in the pocket whatsoever, and it was it was hard to blame him if you looked at how often A and M would overload one side of the line with three or four guys. They'd bring two often, drop two back, but you never knew, well certainly the Alabama offensive line never knew which guys were going to do it, and communication was obviously a big problem for the Tide, and I think that's really where Kyle Field made a big, big factor. So again, I think for Missouri this Saturday, Case Cook listed as probable on the injury report. He's obviously been in and out of the lineup the past three, four weeks or so. Having him ready to go is is key for Missouri because I think communication is going to be a huge factor here. Again, this is where being at home should help Missouri a lot because if, if A&M has that similar plan, thinks, wow, that worked against Alabama, should work against Missouri too. Well, if they can pick up those blitzes, if they can find the right men, find the right guys in coverage well, they're going to have some opportunities at big plays against that, without a doubt, and I think they have to take those shots, too. I know that the deep, ball, the deep balls to Mookie Cooper and, and Dominic Lovett that we all maybe imagined in the preseason haven't totally came to fruition yet, but does that mean Boo Smith needs some more action? I don't know, but regardless, Missouri needs to win some one-on-one battles downfield with no safety help, and they need to hit a couple shots. If they can do that against some blitzes, you know what? I think they got a chance. Connor, obviously one of his good things is getting the ball out of his hand quickly. Well, let's see him get it out of his hand quickly, anticipate that blitz, and get it downfield. Let's take our shot. You only live once. And speaking of only living once, well, I think the Missouri Equipment Department is trying to finish me off once and for all because if they don't wear black and gold at some point this season I just might kill myself. Okay, that's a little bit extreme, but you know what I am passionate about the Missouri uniforms. And you know why that is? I have its own segment called Project Run Play and we're going to we're going to unveil that segment once again, but first I do I want to tell you about betonline.ag, where indeed, as we went over before, Missouri still sitting at a plus eight and a half point underdog, the over-under 59 and a half. was a skosh higher earlier in the week. I thought it was 60, 60 and a half. So interestingly, the Sharps, kind of thinking like I am, maybe this won't be quite as high of a scoring game as a lot of people are anticipating, but regardless, if you're interested in that game or a million other college football games, pro football, NBA is about to start up. Well, they've got it. You've, they've got you covered at BetOnline.ag. That's the point. So sign up today, and guess what? You receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Once again, promo code Locked On for a 50%. Welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, Missouri wore white pants at home last year when they pulled off the 14.5 point upset over LSU last year, but I gotta be honest, despite those kind of vibes, not a big fan of white pants at home, especially with the black helmets almost. Weirdly, even though it's an even more non-traditional look to go with the white helmet, white pants, black shirt combo, it almost looks like with black, black, white, it's almost like a Photoshop project that is incomplete or something. It just looks a little bit strange to me. Now, frankly, again... In incomplete, on that incomplete Photoshop, if you just clicked the paintbrush, the paint bucket icon, and clicked on gold and filled in those white pants with gold, well, guess what? I think you've got a heck of a combo there. And one that actually looks like Missouri has looked, for the most part, of, oh, basically the last 120 years or so. Is Missouri ever going to wear black and gold at home again? I'm okay with the alternate combinations and stuff. It's fun. I enjoy talking about it. Clearly, I have a Project Run Play segment. But Eli and the rest of the team, for the love of God, one time this year, can we pull out our traditional uniform combination? Thank you very much. That'll be my last bit on Project Run Play for today. By the way, one final note here that really isn't Missouri-related at all, but it is very much football-related. So if you'll just indulge me here for just a minute. During that AM alabama game, I was definitely struck by the seeming gentleman's agreement that Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher had on field goals. It was like, hey, if it's fourth and two, we're, we're just going to settle for field goals, right? It seemed like that's what was happening because early in the game, A&M's first possession, I believe, certainly their first score of the game. Well, they had a fourth and two. Instead of going for it, settling for a short field goal, they went up three to nothing. Obviously, they won the game, so you you can't question the winner, right? But I have to say, early in that ball game, I was thinking, man, if you're going to beat Alabama, you better score some touchdowns. I don't know that settling for field goals on fourth and two is going to be the ticket. But, of course, as that game went on, it was, I believe, yeah, 37-30, to something like that. I I forget. I believe A&M was leading by seven, regardless of what the actual score was. Well, two straight times Alabama had a similar situation to what I just described to you for A&M, and they settled for the field goal twice as well. So just interesting that in a world where it seems like you know, you watch the NFL and all the young coaches in the NFL are going for fourth downs constantly, whether it's the, the Chargers, the, the Ravens, Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals, whoever it might be, that tends to be the trend. But then you've got possibly the greatest football coach in college of all time settling for field goals. I don't know. I just find that, that very, very interesting. But even though I would question the conservative tactics there of Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher in that game, I saw Jimbo do something at the end of that ball game that I thought was absolutely brilliant because mostly I didn't see it coming at all. After having seen the somewhat conservative nature of his fourth down decisions, well, I was—I thought I was looking at something that I'd seen many, many times. And this is something I complain about. A lot it looked like texas a and m who of course possess the ball, tie football game, clocks winding down about maybe forty seconds left, something like that. The clock is winding, and i'm thinking, man a and m seems awfully content to settle for a forty something yard field goal here by again a hashtag college kicker, and the reason that's become a meme online, the hashtag college kickers is because, well, they're unpredictable. Unless you have Harrison Mevis, you're probably really nervous on just about any field goal in college, especially if it's a game winner. So I was thinking, man, is Jimbo really going to just run out the clock and settle for a field goal here? Well, I sure thought they were when Calzada turned around to hand the ball off. But, oops, wait, instead it's a play-action pass, and they're tied in the Weidermeyer kid, wide open down the field. Alabama has to scramble to get back, can only draw pass interference to basically prevent the game-ending touchdown there. Well, that was, that was the ball game, essentially, because now you've gone from a 40-something yard field goal to about, I don't know, 28, 30 yards, something like that. Very, very makeable. And again, the kid makes it Texas A&M huge upset. Everybody rushes the field. Yada yada yada. I give Jimbo a lot of credit there. I, I just wasn't thinking that at all because, well, as that clock is running down, Texas A&M still has two timeouts left. I bet Alabama was thinking the same thing. They're probably thinking, all right, let's let's just call a, basically a run blitz here. Let's let's rush everybody to the line of scrimmage and make them make them chuck it deep, and that's exactly what they did, and they pulled something off there. They got themselves in a much better position to win the football game. So tip of the hat to Jimbo there. I thought that was pretty brilliant. I really did. Great gamesmanship. But anyway, hopefully tomorrow we'll be talking about some brilliant Eli Drinkwitz gamesmanship and a big Missouri upset. Doesn't that sound like a lot of fun? But you know what? I've had a lot of fun with all of you today, so thanks again for making me your first listen of your podcast day. And for your second listen of the day, I would suggest Chris Gordy of Locked on SEC. Dude just gets a tremendous guest list that I am frankly jealous of. So until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.